Welcome to episode 30 of the CPA Exam Experience podcast from Superfast CPA. I'm Nate, and today I do not have an interview for you. I have a summary of the CARES Act changes that you will see on the reg exam. So starting in October, the reg exam will test some of the CARES Act changes and it changed a few tax provisions but it also added new things that are temporary but as far as i know a lot of this stuff is going to be testable on reg and this will actually be this stuff will be even though the cares act is supposed to end you know december 31st of 2020 this will be treated like any other uh, reg section where typically up until july you know of the following year you are you're basically treating reg like you're working on a client's tax returns meaning you're dealing with the previous tax years, you know, rules and regulations. And so because of that, as this stuff became testable on October 1st, this will continue to be testable up until July 1st, or I guess maybe June 30th of 2021. So before we get into this, again, the best place for you to start with Superfast CPA, if you have had any problems figuring out your daily study sessions, if you're feeling overwhelmed with the material, the best place to start is to watch one of our free one hour trainings where we will walk you through our study process, how that should look, and it's using your current review material. So you don't have to buy a new review course or anything. You can take these strategies. You'll be using your same review course. You just use the material slightly differently, but it will be much, much more effective. You can get through new material much quicker, and we help you build re-review into your daily study process so that you're continually getting better at the material you've already studied as the weeks go by. So to register for one of these free sessions, go to superfastcpa.com. The link to that is on our homepage. You can view the upcoming times or you can text the word pass now to 44222 and we'll send you back a link to register for one of these free sessions. So with that being said, let's get into the summary of these CARES Act updates. As of October 2020, we are adding this little section in to cover the CARES Act changes or a summary of the changes. And as far as we know, this stuff is going to be testable until July 1st of 2021 on the CPA exams because the reg exam, kind of the way the content is treated, it's as if you were working on your client's return for the previous tax period. You know, if you're in between January to basically July and you're working on clients' tax records, you're working on their tax return for the previous tax year. So, up until July 1st, 2021, all this stuff will be applicable because it's based on tax year 2020, which is when the CARES Act changes affect everything, is the tax year of 2020. So the CARES Act, I'm sure you've heard of it, it's the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, passed by Congress to try and provide aid to individuals and businesses as a result of the economic effects of coronavirus. So we will start with the changes that affect personal or individual taxpayers, non-corporate taxpayers, basically. So the personal tax credit. Individuals receive a refundable tax credit of $1,200. That's for single or a single filer. So if you're married finally jointly, it's $2,400. And then $500 for each qualifying child. The qualifying child rules are the same as the dependency rules. So 
how you figure out if a child is a dependent, it's the same thing for them to be a qualifying child to get this $500 credit or for the taxpayer to get the credit, not the child. Most people already received this credit as an advance when everyone was receiving checks early in 2020 or a direct deposit. Non-resident aliens and those claimed as a dependent by another taxpayer do not receive the credit. The credit is also phased down starting at higher income levels. So the credit is reduced by 5% of the difference between the taxpayer's AGI and then the following income levels. And we will do a easy to follow example. So, so again, the credit is reduced by 5% of the difference between the taxpayer's AGI and then based on how they're filing certain income levels. So for married filing jointly, it starts to phase out at 150000 all the way up to 198000 So at 198000 that would be the max. That means at that income level, the credit would be fully phased out and they would not receive the credit. For a head of household filer, the uh, credit starts being phased out at 112500 and up to 146500 would be when the credit is fully phased out. For a single filer, the credit starts being phased out at 75,000 of income and it would be fully phased out at 99,000 of income. So an example, let's say Ken and Stacy are married, they file, file jointly, they have AGI of 170,000. So again, the income level where the credit starts being phased out is 150,000. So they are 20,000 over that 150,000 limit. So normally, them you know, them being married filing jointly, they would get a credit of 2400, but their credit is reduced by 5% of that extra 20,000. So 5% of 20,000 is 1000. So their $2400 credit would be reduced down to 1400. The next change is to charitable contributions. So instead of 60% of AGI for cash contributions being allowable, it has been increased to 100% of AGI. For corporate taxpayers, it was increased to 25% of income up from 10%. There is also a $300 charitable contribution deduction for all taxpayers in tax year 2020 only. This is a $300 deduction for charitable contributions, even if the taxpayer uses the standard deduction. Because of course, you wouldn't be counting your charitable contributions unless you were itemizing normally. The other thing about this rule is it's 300 total per tax return. So married filing jointly gets $300 total, but an individual taxpayer would also get the full $300 deduction. The next change is retirement plan early distributions. So the CARES Act allows taxpayers to withdraw up to 100000 from an IRA and it's exempt from the normal 10% penalty. So these would be someone who is, you know, not at the minimum age to take normal distributions from their IRA, someone who's 36, for example, if they had been diagnosed with COVID or otherwise affected by COVID, we'll go through the actual rules, but essentially in any way affected by COVID, you are a able to take out up to 100,000 from an IRA that's exempt from the 10% penalty. So this has to be a qualified distribution to a qualified taxpayer. So to be a qualified taxpayer for this specific rule, you have to have been diagnosed with COVID-19 or your spouse or a dependent is diagnosed with COVID-19 
or you experience adverse financial consequences as a result of being quarantined, being furloughed or laid off, or having your work hours reduced as a result of COVID-19, or you experienced adverse financial consequences from being able, unable to work because you could not get childcare as a result of COVID-19, or you experienced adverse financial consequences as a result of being forced to close or reduce the hours of your trade or business as a result of COVID-19. The other thing about this rule is the distribution, you know, so typically, again, if you were 65, you're fully able to take money out of your IRA, you would still, when you take that distribution from a traditional IRA, that's taxable income. So let's say someone who's, again, 36, they're able to take out this 100000 from their IRA, they would still need to include that in income. However, with this specific rule, that distribution can be included in income evenly, or in other words, spread across tax years 2020, 2021, and 2022. Another change with this or with uh, IRA distributions, on the other side, someone who again is of age, they're taking they're at the point where they're supposed to be doing these required minimum distributions. RMDs are waived for 2020. So they're not forced to take these required minimum distributions either. The next change would be to HSA qualified expenses. So the CARES Act, it expanded what is considered qualified medical expenses that you can you know, spend money from your HSA on. They expanded this to include non-prescription drugs and feminine hygiene products. The next change is a tuition reimbursement exclusion. So employees can exclude up to $5,250 of employer-provided assistance that was used for undergraduate and or graduate tuition or fees, books, and supplies related to that, or for payments received from their employer that were used to pay the employee's student loans. The period of this exclusion that it can be applied to are any such payments received between May 28th and December 31st, 2020. The next change, and this was a big one, this was to net operating loss rules, so NOLs. So previously, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act changed the NOL thing to where you couldn't carry them back anymore but they could be carried forward indefinitely. So that started in 2018. Now the CARES Act, it now allows NOLs incurred in 2018, 2019, or 2020 to be carried back five years, and they can still be carried forward indefinitely. And then another big thing with this is an NOL that is applied to specifically tax year 2020, it can offset 100% of taxable income. Again, that part is only in or applying to tax year 2020. The next change is small business loan forgiveness. So some SBA loans made between February 15th and June 30th, 2020 can be forgiven and excluded from income if the loans were used to retain employees, make interest payments on previous business loans, or to pay you know, lease expenses or or rent payments or utility payments that were incurred before February 15th, 2020. So you couldn't get one of these loans and go out and lease a new office building or, or something like that or factory. The next thing is the employee retention credit. So employers can claim a tax credit of 50% of wages paid to eligible employees. The credit can be taken in advance by reducing the amount of employment tax deposits 
that are typically being made by the employer. So the credit can be taken in any calendar quarter during 2020 when either one, there was a full or partial suspension of operations of the trader business due to government orders limiting commerce, travel, or group meetings due to COVID-19, or two, a significant decline in gross receipts. Now, there's a specific definition for a significant decline in gross receipts. This is defined as at least a 50% decline in gross receipts from the same quarter in 2019. And then this significant decline ends when gross receipts recover to more than 80% of gross receipts from the same quarter in 2019. So what you're doing is you're taking any given quarter, and these are calendar quarters, you're comparing it to 2019. And if the gross receipts of the business had a 50% decline, then that would meet the definition of this significant decline in gross receipts. If the gross receipts recover to more than 80% of gross receipts from again, the same corresponding quarter in 2019, this significant decline is now over. So the credit itself, it's good for up to 10,000 of wages per employee. If the business, and there's two sides, there's businesses bigger than 100 people or 100 full-time employees, and then businesses smaller than 100 full-time employees. So if the business averaged more than 100 full-time employees during 2019, then the credit is based on the wages paid to employees that were furloughed or had reduced wages. If the business averaged 100 full-time employees or less during 2019, then the credit is based on the wages paid to all employees. So the last one that we have here is excess business losses. So losses from a business activity for non-corporate taxpayers there was this rule where there were limits on the amount of losses that could offset taxable income. And, you know, the remainder had to go to your NOL. Now, under the CARES Act, there are no such limitations for business losses incurred in tax years 2018, 2019, and 2020. So that was everything for the the CARES Act summary or the, the most likely things for our purposes that you might see changes on on the Reg CPA exam. So that is a summary of the main items or probably the, the most likely to show up on the CPA exam, the reg exam. So hopefully you found that helpful. If you did find that helpful, if you found any of these episodes helpful, again, please take a second and leave a rating and review in the podcast app where you listen to these. That's the best way to support the podcast completely free and obviously this wasn't an interview we still have a bunch more of those that are already recorded that we're going to still be releasing week after week on tuesdays so find the podcast leave a rating and review share it with someone else who is currently studying for their cpa exams we get a lot of good feedback on the podcast specifically the interviews of course all that being said thank you for listening and we will see you on the next episode